Hey listeners, before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to tell you a bit about the services and solutions that Getting Smart offers. Did you know that we collaborate with and advocate for impact-oriented partners who are committed to accelerating the future of teaching, leading, and learning? Our strategic solutions are tailored to best support each partner in achieving their goals and helping leaders know what to do next. Working with our vast network of resources and partners, we design informed strategic solutions that last. Whether your organization needs support with learning design and coaching, strategy, professional learning, media, communication and marketing, or are looking to build your next campaign, we are here to help. If you're interested in learning more about our services and working with our team, email jessica at gettingsmart.com or visit gettingsmart.com slash what we do. Joseph, what is purpose-driven expertise? So purpose-driven expertise is the combination of two really powerful ideas. The first is the notion of purpose. Um, And purpose has been around for a while. And it's the notion of an intention that a person has that is both to accomplish something that's both meaningful to themselves and of consequence to the world around them. It has to have those two elements to it. And then expertise I'm talking about in contrast to simple knowledge acquisition. So knowledge acquisition is sort of what people do at school. You sort of learn algorithms and you learn lists of facts and that sort of thing. Um, But expertise is is a practical application and mastery of a skill or a domain. So when you put those two together, if 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 you can find that sweet spot where somebody knows what their purpose is, has a very strong sense of that, and then they're given the opportunity to develop expertise that's associated and aligned with that purpose, then you have a person who's unstoppable as a learner. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderark, and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Joseph South. He's the Chief Learning Officer at ISTE. Before that, he was the Director of the Office of EdTech at the Department of Education. Uh, Joseph, it's so great to have you on the podcast. It's really great to be here, Tom. Thanks. You know, um, we've interviewed a lot of the folks that uh, were in the office of EdTech. What an extraordinary legacy. People that not only understood technology, but have since blossomed in ways that uh, really recognize the fullness of, uh, of developing human beings. I'm thinking of John Bailey and Susan Patrick and Karen Cater. Um, your colleague, Rich Collada, what, what an extraordinary group of people. Really, I mean, I'm honored to be part of that legacy and was so lucky to be there at a time when there was an emphasis not just on technology, but on really what it meant for human development. And, and Joseph, it, uh, in, that, in that tradition, you joined ISTE, but both you and, uh, and, and Richard Collada, um, I think, have really a... a science-based view of uh, what it means to help develop human beings. And I I think part of that has been your journey to understand the role of purpose and expertise. I'd I'd love to dive into that and just understand your journey to purpose. So I um, started, I really started my purpose journey in high school. Um, I was a high school kid who was you know, moving along like everybody else and memorizing a bunch of facts and, and, you know, just, I don't know, existing. Um, And then I discovered high school journalism. 
And in our high school, we put out our our high school newspaper twice a week as part of the local paper. So so it went onto the doorstep of every person in my community. And when I joined the journalism team, suddenly I was writing editorials that were being read by the entire community. And it was transformational for me because I suddenly had a purpose. I suddenly had something that was meaningful to me and was meaningful to my community. And I was developing expertise in writing and editing, in media design. And it, I, I felt like a new person. I, I felt like I discovered myself for the first time. And, and that pushed me forward in my life in ways that no amount of school or classes ever was going to do. Um, and I, you know, I, I had the experience. It was wonderful. And then I went on with life and I just thought, well, this is a real cool thing that I did in high school. But it was really later on that I started to realize that there were those elements were present. And, and I think the expertise part came for me because I was trained as an instructional designer. And, and what you learn when you work with businesses is that knowledge is great, but what they really care about is expertise, right? People who know stuff, dime a dozen. People who can apply that in a context, hard to find. And, and they distinguish very clearly between those two notions. And, and in the world of work, expertise is king, right? And so I spent a lot of time studying how do you develop expertise and, and how, how do you optimize for that? Um, and, and then when I came, when my career took me back into formal school settings, I realized that something was missing there. And, and, it, and it caused me quite a bit of concern. And, and then at the same time, um, you know, I had this great opportunity after I left uh, the U.S. Department of Education, the Obama administration, to spend a year at IDEO in their uh, Learning for Design studio. And I had the great fortune to join a team that was working on something called the Purpose Project. And this was um, an effort that's still ongoing that was really looking at changing the equation around whether we are pushing things onto young people when it comes to learning or whether we're pulling, allowing them to pull learning towards them. And, and I realized that we're, we've been doing it wrong. Um, school is a push system. It's literally telling people what to value, what the rewards are, and what they need to learn slash memorize to get the rewards. It doesn't ask them what they value. It doesn't ask them what rewards they care about. It doesn't ask them what they want to learn. And and I, as I did that work at IDEO, I realized that if you could combine these two ideas together, that you would be creating a fundamental flip in how our school relates to a learner. And, and instead of telling the learner what to do and how to do it, and then having the master knowledge that's going to become outdated by the time they graduate in a lot of cases, you could instead have them being so excited about pulling learning towards them that it'd be hard for the teacher to keep up with the student versus the other way around. Joseph, um, I, I want to underscore the journalism story just by pointing to our mutual friend, Esther Wojcicki, who for more than 30 years, um, led the best journalism program in America uh, at Pali. And you know what I loved about her story, Joseph, is that it was really student-driven publications. And so it was the combination of journalism, but um, 
owning a publication uh, and, and that sense of, of ownership, of working as a team. Uh, you talked about the importance of work that's important to you and your community uh, as being central to purpose. And then inside that journalism program were these skill sprints, right, of getting better at writing, getting better at editing. But it was skill sprints with a with a sense of purpose within a context of uh, developing leadership and uh, journalism skills. So I, I just love her example. I know you appreciate it too. Precisely. And, you know, th- there's no way you can overstate the importance of ownership in this process. Um, and, you know, in my, in my experience in my high school, you know, we own the editorial page and, and we, you know, if we wrote something and the community didn't like it, the advisor was like, what are you going to tell the community now? She, she, she did not intervene. Um, and I think when we, we can't ask students to own learning and not, provide them the means to own it. Um, and right now we put them in a system where we own the grades, we own the outcomes, we own the topics of focus, and they don't own any of that. And without that, they'll never develop a sense of agency or identity um, that they need to, to be successful. Joseph, in some of your writing, uh, you, you talked about purpose-driven learning as having three components. You talked about uh, goal-directedness, personally meaningful and beyond the self or orientation. So I love those components. Maybe you could describe other settings that uh, beyond, beyond journalism where you might see those characteristics of goal-directedness, personally meaningful and uh, be, beyond self. So, so these can take on a lot, a lot of forms. Um, so, you know, sometimes people find this in, in a debate class, right? Um, a debate club. Um, you know, sometimes the drama students um, find this. Sometimes um, it's, it's in the band. Um, but there's, this can also happen in a, in, a, in a very personal basis. So some of the students that we worked with when I was at IDEO, there was one person who um, was really interested in learning how to sew. Um, and... As a, as a part of, of the work we were doing, we said, great, learn how to sew. Um, and, and no one had ever given her permission to do that before. And so she learned to do that from her mother, which created a bond between the two of them that they did not have before because their worlds were quite different. Um, she was a teenager. Her, her mom was not. Um, and then she um, was able to expand that in an interest in fashion and upcycling and then she started sewing clothes, upcycling clothes for a homeless shelter. Um, and, and this all came from, from the mind and heart of a, of a 14-year-old teenager, right? And, and it was just because somebody helped her connect her purpose to an expertise that she cared about that, that this came out. Um, and so, you know, I guess, I guess my point is that a number of settings can support this. Sometimes there are things like Model UN. That's another great example, right? Where there's a sense of purpose and you're learning that hands-on expertise. Role-playing is, is a great um, methodology, um, as is problem-based learning when the problems are authentic and relevant. Um, but, they, but it can also be quite personal to the, the individual student. Right. 
our, our friends at uh, Digital Promise call that challenge-based learning. Um, we, we talk a lot about uh, the, the work being done in Kansas City, sponsored by the Kauffman Foundation. There's 75 high schools that are creating um, blocks and opportunities for client-connected projects and entrepreneurial experiences. So sometimes those sit inside an English and social studies block. Sometimes they're, they include... Um, a, a science block, but there are opportunities typically embedded in pathways for this goal uh, directed, personally meaningful, usually community connected um, work that that moves that locus from self to uh, to client or to uh, to customer or to community. Right, and and I and I think sometimes we forget that the very first step on this journey is to simply ask students what their purpose is. Right. You know, most one of the one of the most shocking things that happened for me as I started to do this work is we would ask students, what do you want to learn about? And I had students in high school tell me that they had never been asked that question before. No one had ever at school asked them, what do you care about? What do you want to learn about? And that's just a travesty. I mean, what are we doing to, to, to I mean, how do you leave that off the table? Yeah, I, we, you know, our friends at uh, OneStone and Boise have a advisory program called Living in Beta, and it starts with that simple question of uh, asking young people who they are and what they're interested in, what they want to learn about. Our friends in uh, Cajon Valley do this from kindergarten through eighth grade, where they cycle through immersive units and then invite young people to reflect on strengths, interests, and values. And so imagine your whole elementary career being cycles of asking you, did that feel like you? What are you interested in? What do you care about? Uh, what are you getting good at? Um, what, what a cool opportunity to grow through cycles of reflection like that. Yeah, and I, I really love the phrase prototyping your purpose, especially for young people. Because sometimes you think that like, you know, your purpose is save the world from global warming. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad goal to have and, it, and that that won't motivate you. But sometimes, you know, a smaller purpose that you're trying on can help you just figure out who you are. Yeah. Joseph, uh, I, I was surprised in, in um, some of your writing to find expertise pop up. You talked about this in the, in the introduction. Um, I, I love how you, you think about the, the key to human development as purpose plus expertise, but I'd love to have you talk about expertise. Like what, what is it? How do you think about it? Why do you, why is it so important? Right. So, so knowledge is a necessary but not sufficient condition for expertise. And so I'm really concerned that our schools are focused primarily on knowledge acquisition. And, you know, I, I talked to, to students at a top business school um, in the country, and they said that, one, they choose which classes they're going to go to and which ones they aren't. And they also choose which textbooks they're going to buy and which ones they aren't based on whether they can get the same information on the internet. And, and this is flabbergasting because they're paying a lot of money to be in those classes. And they said it was more important for them to go and found a business, to go and work on the board of a nonprofit, to go and network with their colleagues than to sit in class. 
And what they were saying is it was more important for them to develop expertise than to master the knowledge that was being pushed at them from the curriculum. So I, I think some of the differences that we don't often talk about between knowledge and expertise is, is expertise comes from an applied setting, and that requires a different set of affordances for the learner. So number one, one of the most important aspects of that is deliberate practice. They, they need the opportunity to develop deliberately. And, and that's not just homework, it's not just drilling, but it's practice that focuses on their weakness. I think of it as N plus one, or sometimes we call it the zone of proximal development, where it's something that's just outside of their ability, but not so far outside that they can't master it. And then the second really important aspect is a mentor or a coach, um, not, not a teacher who's, who's um, you know, pushing content at, at them, but somebody who's, who's evaluating their application and giving them feedback. Um, and, and it's actually the third component is high quality feedback. And it's actually more, more important than, than an expert. So I could, if I am less of an expert as a mentor, but really good at high quality feedback, then I'm actually more useful to you than if I'm uh, the world's expert and I can't explain anything. And, and the example that I give is when I was in high school, I was struggling with an algebra two problem. And I looked over at my dad who has a PhD in economics. And I thought, why don't I ask my dad for help? So I went over and I'm like, hey, dad, I'm trying to figure out this problem. And he looked at it for a minute and he wrote symbols that I'd never seen before on my paper. And he said, oh, just use calculus. And then he went back to reading the newspaper. Um, and I'm like, okay, so that's a case where I had an expert <laughs> whose knowledge was tacit and, and his feedback was not good. Um, but, if, but if you can combine those things, deliberate practice, um, a, a mentor slash coach, and high quality feedback, and then a, th a fourth one that, that we, can't, we don't talk about very much is a supportive community. Um, that's, that's there with you, you know, that's how you develop expertise. And, and that's different than how we teach in high school. Um, but it's exactly how you learn on the job. And, and I'm more interested in preparing people to get really good at learning how to master expertise than I am in them learning any single domain in depth. I appreciate um, the way you describe adaptive problems and the importance of applying um, formative expertise to new problems. And you, this, you could call it the transferred uh, pro problem, right, of, of developing expertise, but being able to apply it um, in, a, in a slightly different or even completely new uh, setting. And I also like how you describe the importance of uh, of relationships, of attachment, of a sense of belonging, and so that there is the confidence to risk, the confidence to try from, but that starts from a place of safety and security that uh, allows you uh, to take a risk to attempt to apply expertise um, to a, a new setting or a new problem. Yeah, and let me just talk about that for a minute. So, um, um, Mary Helen, um, in, in, I'm going to say her name wrong, Inadino in, you know, Yang, who is um, 
an, an expert, uh, both a um, neuroscientist and uh, education expert. She did a study where she studied the brains of young people who'd grown up in the Montessori system and young people who'd grown up in traditional public schools. And they were, um, they were solving math problems. And what she discovered is that when somebody who'd grown up in a public school made an error on a novel math problem, a math problem they'd never seen before, um, they, 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 they took a hit in their brain. It, they, 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 it was a negative. But when somebody grew up in the Montessori system and they were working through a math problem, they discovered an error. Their, their brain actually rewarded them for discovering that error because for them, they had been conditioned that that was a learning opportunity and that because they discovered the error, they were going to get closer to the solution. And so we, we literally train our brains one way or the other. Either errors are bad and we try to avoid them or errors are good and we learn from them. And, and, and if you think of 12 years of training in our public schools, how do we want our children to be trained? With where, where an error is a reward that leads you to more learning or a failure that must be avoided at all costs. So I, I, I want to wrap this part by just underscoring the importance of purpose and expertise. I, I love this uh, quote from your writing, Joseph, by connecting purpose and expertise, schools can become meaningful, connected, engaging, and relevant. Let's let's talk about um, what does purpose have to do with identity and agency. So, just describe uh, briefly how you're thinking about identity development and w- what is agency and what what does that have to do with purpose. So, th- those are big and really important topics. <laughs> so. Um, uh, you know, every every young person is developing an, an identity um, that they own to some degree, and that is also highly influenced by their environment. Um, and if you are insecure in your identity, it can be really hard to find your way forward in life. And depending on your background and you know the the prejudices around you, there may actually be forces that are working against you. Um, fully forming that identity and, and feeling uh, secure in who you are and what you can contribute to the world. Um, and if, if a student is going to be successful in this, they need to have experiences where who they are and what they value are valued by the people around them. Um, if, if that never happens for, for a learner, um, it's very hard to establish an ide- identity that they can count on. And that they can build from. And so the problem with school is we really recruit a tiny sliver of a person's identity. It's really the rules compliant, you know, content focused, you know, achievement oriented part of a person. But most people don't function like that. Most people are really focused on compelling experiences rather than academic achievement. They're more self-directed than rules compliant, and they're more interest-focused than content-focused. And so if we don't recruit that young person's full identity to school, then they'll never feel like that's a place of belonging for them. And so what purpose does is it 
ask the student to put their identity, their values, their intentions, their goals, their aspirations at the center. And, and, it, and it communicates to them that we care about what those are and we're going to support them in becoming who they want to become. And once we do that, then school becomes a place of belonging. Their identity becomes centered there and they feel like they're going to be supported in becoming who they want to become. And that opens up all kinds of learning and that just it just unlocks the world for them in a way that is otherwise impossible. Joseph, I want to finish with a segment we call one to one, and I want to start with uh, the the first question is, who's one person, maybe one more person that uh, that really helped influence your thinking around purpose and expertise? Well, so so certainly, um, you know, Bill Damon. Um, at uh, Stanford Center on Adolescence was a huge influence for me and, and on and on everyone um, who who works in the expertise field. Um, but an, uh, one of the the researchers who works with them, Heather Malin, uh, wrote a book called Teaching for Purpose that really looks at bringing purpose into formal learning settings. Um, and she was also an important influence as well. So two insights that I draw from our conversation and, and the writing that you've done is that school can and should be organized as, as a set of skill sprints and projects, uh, projects that um, are, are usually connected to the community that are, you, you talked about, uh, 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 important to the learner and to their community. And, and that both the skill sprints and projects, which can be linked, right, that you can make the skill sprints important because they're linked to the success in the, the projects or the, 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 the blocks of inquiry that are often learner-directed, um, that, that both really have to be co-authored by the learner, but in conjunction with advisors and mentors. Um, so skill sprints and projects connected to... Uh, and supported by advisors and mentors. What what additional insight would you add to that? Yeah, I, I think I think that's important. And I think one thing we need to be um, open to is the breadth of advisors and mentors that can be brought into the learning experience. Um, it it can be anyone from you know a relative, um, a, a role model in their community. Um, experts at a, a business or profession that they want to go into, um, but also peers. And, and I think we we sometimes overlook the power of a peer mentor, whether they're at the same grade or or whether they're maybe a couple grades you know beyond them, which allows them to play both a, a role model and a mentor role. Um, it, if we if we are expansive about that, um, then then we can accommodate a lot more of a student's interests. Uh, what, what's one more resource where people could go to learn more about uh, about purpose driven expertise? So I'm I'm still working on uh, putting out some resources on that. Um, if you're looking at the expertise side, um, there's a book called Peak: uh, Secrets from the New Science of Expertise that will that I've drawn some ideas from. And then if you want to connect with me about these topics, um, I have a website called LearningAccelerant.com. Um, or you can catch me on Twitter at South Joseph is my handle. And I'd be happy to engage anyone who wants to talk about these ideas. 
Uh, Joseph, we so appreciate your leadership on this front. Um, it's really thoughtful and timely and important. Um, we, we're seeing schools all over the world um, adopt in, in, some, in just small chunks and in some wall-to-wall this sort of purpose-driven learning. I love how you've connected it to the, the development of expertise and expertise that's that's portable that's really a durable set of skills if you're if you're clear uh, a clear sense of purpose and have a, a durable bundle of expertise um, that's a world-changing combination I feel like it's the best possible way to equip a young person for the future I, I honestly do thanks to Joseph South for joining us uh, thanks to our producer and poet laureate, uh, Mason Pasha. Uh, Keep learning and keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.